Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So my aunt lives next door to us, which would be all fine and dandy, but she's a sociopath. The house we live in was hers and my father's growing up, and we, dad, mom, brother, me, moved in with my grandmother ten years ago. My aunt would come get my nan's keys to fill her car with gas and copy the house key. My aunt would then come into our house in the wee hours of the morning and steal the stupidest shit. We didn't notice for a while, but then our new shampoo bottles would be empty suddenly. Our paper towels and toilet paper would be gone. Our food, silverware, and cups would be gone. Then my mom's jewelry would be on the stairs coming down from the bedroom like it was dropped on the way out. One morning I was wide awake around 2.30 a.m. for some reason, and I heard what I assumed was one of my parents coming upstairs going in their bedroom across the hall, then a few minutes later going back downstairs. The dog's tail was wagging and hitting the floor, so I wasn't scared until the next morning when my parents asked if I was up late that night and came in their room. The thing was she didn't sneak up or tiptoe or anything straight up stomped up the stairs and down the hall. She had done this many times, and my dog was used to her coming and was the shittiest guard dog ever. We then changed the locks and put a special coated door for the staircase. 
since she couldn't go upstairs to watch us sleep anymore, she would come around 5-6 in the morning, just before my mom and I got up for school. Our alarms would go off at 5.45 a.m. on the weekdays, and we would hear the front door slam shut. And if we ran to the windows, we would see her going back to her house. We changed the locks again, and the night visit seemed to stop. I could go on with more messed up shit she did to us, but this is long enough. Update. So, more on her, when I was about 10, it was close to Valentine's Day, and she told me this was the last holiday that she was going to give me candy, because I was getting fat and the whole family was concerned for my health. Also, whenever we went on vacation, we would have to lock up all of our valuables. Purses, paintings, furniture, and when we got back, several knick-knacky things would be gone. One time a painting my grandfather gave my dad was gone, and we were really pissed about that. We knew she had been in the house because a family picture of my mom's would be on the floor or face down on the mantel. Eventually, my grandmother got Alzheimer's, and when my nan first went to the hospital, she gave my aunt her wedding rings, and those are long gone. Bitch never gave them back. Absolutely heartbreaking to explain over and over to my grandmother that her own daughter stole her wedding rings. When my aunt visited Nan, she would pilfer through all her drawers and stole anything and everything of value. One day I was helping my grandmother get dressed and she cried because she didn't have any more jewelry because my aunt stole it. Another morning while my grandmother was quickly succumbing to Alzheimer's, my aunt came over at 5 a.m. to give her coffee, which we had already done. I'm super hammered right now, and I hope that made sense. Thanks for the brief internet fame, my most popular post so far. Update 2, since many of you asked about involving the cops. We never had enough proof. It could have been anybody coming into my house from a legal standpoint. But it wasn't. Yeah, no. Also, some more messed up shit. When my grandmother did die, my aunt fought us for nearly two years over an old, run-down set of seven apartments my parents had took care of for the, the past 30 years. Finally settled with a huge check to her, and she's calmed down since because she can't swindle more money out of us. She now has a life-size cardboard cutout of Matt Demon in her window staring at us. I can't get a good picture of it or I will show it. Thanks, guys. At least my mildly shitty childhood is fascinating now. I used to live in a three-story house with my parents, younger sibling, and our dog. We moved into this house a few months before my younger sibling was born, and that was when we first met the neighbors across the street. Lucas, who was the oldest child in their family, was always a bit strange. But there were some aspects of his personality that were more than just strange. They were straight-up disturbing. It would take hours to cover everything, so I'm just going to get straight to the point. I'm almost positive that Lucas has been inside of our house in the middle of the night. Our house was built on a hill, so it looked like it was only two stories from the front, and the basement was connected to the backyard. The yards in this neighborhood were much larger than they are in newer housing developments so it would have been very easy for someone to enter our backyard unnoticed. Despite this, my family was terrible about making sure all of the basement doors were locked. My younger sibling and I would always go in and out when we were playing in the backyard, or someone would go down to let the dog out, and we would end up forgetting to lock one of the doors before bed. We also lived in a safe area where it was common for people to leave their doors unlocked. However, my family did always lock the door leading down to the basement every night, along with all of the other doors on the main level of the house. 
I had a messed up sleep schedule back then, so I would usually still be awake at 3 or 4 in the morning. There are two specific instances that happened very late at night which make me think that Lucas has been inside of our house without our knowledge. One night, I was in my bedroom on the upper level of the house. It was probably around 2.30 in the morning when I suddenly heard the sound of an angry growl coming from downstairs. Thinking that my dog had spotted a cat in the front yard, I quickly rushed downstairs to stop him from barking and waking up my entire family. This kind of thing would happen every now and then, so I wasn't thinking too much of it at the time. But instead of going downstairs and finding my dog by the front window, I found him by the locked door that leads down to the basement. The fur on the back of his neck was standing up, and his nose was pressed to the bottom of the door. I instantly froze when I realized what was happening. There was something or someone on the other side of the basement door. I was barely a teenager at the time, so I began to panic and started making my way upstairs as quietly as possible. I woke up both of my parents, but neither of them took me very seriously. My dad just assumed that my dog was hearing random noises coming from outside, but he did eventually go down to check things out. He said that everything downstairs looked normal, but he also mentioned that we forgot to lock one of the basement doors that night. Then there was another time that I was up late and in my room. But this time, instead of hearing my dog growling, I heard a loud bark that echoed through the entire house. The sound was sudden and intense, similar to a gunshot, and it almost made me jump out of my chair. Assuming again that my dog had seen a cat outside, I quickly looked out of my bedroom window and tried to spot whatever he was barking at. But my heart suddenly dropped when instead of seeing a cat, I saw Lucas running out of our front yard in the pitch black. I watched him run across the street and back towards his own house before I rushed to close the curtains and duck out of sight. I remember sitting there struggling to process what I had just seen and questioning why Lucas would be in our yard in the middle of the night. I told my mom about it the very next morning and she said that she would bring it up to Lucas's mom. Because of these two instances, and because of other details that I can't include, I'm 99% sure that Lucas has been inside of our house in the middle of the night. If you knew the entire story behind this family, then you would also find the thought of this to be extremely disturbing. I do want to mention that this all happened years ago. My family no longer lives in that house, and those neighbors across the street are doing fine. But looking back on everything now, I'm realizing just how creepy the situation truly was. When I lived with my ex, we would hear a lot of footsteps in a wooded area behind his home. One day we were checking out at the register at a little shop down the street, and the cashier mentioned some items on a shelf that my ex had. I think they were talking about anime, and my ex had some characters above his gaming station on the wall. It was disturbing. We had always attributed the footsteps to being wild boars, but after that conversation we realized that the cashier may have been living in the darkest part of the yard. It started at 4.43 a.m. The noise jolted me awake. It sounded like there was a giant truck revving its engine right there in our bedroom. Exhaust fumes wafted in through the open window. It was a bad way to start the day. What is that? moaned my wife. We both slept poorly because our daughter had crawled into our bed at 1 a.m. and kept kicking us in the face until we were both half hanging off the bed while she snored away. Start of the apocalypse, I groaned. Go back to sleep. No way can I sleep through that racket, said Vanessa. 
She rolled out of bed and shut the window. That helped a little, but it still sounded like war out there. She pulled the curtains back and looked through the window. It's the neighbor, mowing his lawn, before the sun is up. We need to have a heart to heart with him. Let him know that's not okay. Keegan, our daughter, woke up crying. Guess that's that, I muttered, getting out of bed myself. I'll go talk to him after some coffee. Bring me some too, said Vanessa. Papa, bring me some Smarties, said Keegan. No, no Smarties for breakfast. Banana or toast, but not Smarties. Fine, huffed Keegan. Toast, cut into shapes. I sighed. This was really the last thing I wanted to be doing at 4.45 on a Saturday morning. Making coffee and cutting toast into animal shapes instead of drooling in my sleep and dreaming of a gentler world. I went into the kitchen and started the coffee and toast and then looked out the living room window. Sure enough, there was Mr. Limsky mowing his damn lawn in his damn bathrobe, no less. That was another thing that I had no desire to do. Get into it with him about this or really talk to him about anything ever beyond a friendly wave and a howdy neighbor. By the time I was awake enough to form a coherent thought, it was almost six, and I had consumed four cups of coffee. Mr. Limsky was still at it, which was strange because his yard isn't very big at all. It shouldn't take more than a 40-minute mound job, but here it was an hour and 15 minutes later, and he was still at it. I got semi-dressed and stumbled outside. I walked across my own yard, which I noted needed mowing itself. Maybe I'll tell him that if he mows my lawn and promises to never start so early again, I'll let it go. But I knew that I wouldn't do that. I was a coward. As I got closer, I observed with some confusion that his lawn was already mowed. He was going over it a second time now. I walked up to our property line, denoted by the contrast between mowed and unmowed grass, and started waving my hands in the air, waiting for Mr. Limsky to notice me. He never did. He just stared straight ahead and kept pushing the mower. Hey, I shouted, but it was no good. I could barely hear myself, and so I knew that he wouldn't be able to hear me from across the lawn, right behind the lawnmower. God damn it. I walked across his yard until I was right behind him. Hey, nothing. I tapped on his shoulder. Nothing. He just kept pushing the lawnmower onward over the already mowed lawn. I didn't know what to do. I'll catch him after he finishes, I guess. He's in the zone. I shrugged and was getting ready to turn back to my house when I saw a trickle of what was presumably urine run down his bare leg. Jesus. I went back to my house and opened the door. Vanessa was reading a book to Keegan. She stopped when I came in and looked up. Well? Hey. Hmm. He couldn't hear me. I'll go over there once he stops. He's gotta stop sometime, right? And... Um, well, I'm a little worried about him, honestly. I saw him, you know, wet himself. Mr. Limsky peed his pants? Asked Hegan. She started laughing. Well, that sometimes happens, kiddo, I said. You used to do that. We do that a lot when we're kids, and then we don't do it for a while, and then when we get older, we sometimes do it again. That gave her something to think out anyway. Hmm, said Vanessa. There's more, I said. He's already done with the lawn. He's just going over it a second time. Maybe he missed a few spots? Nope. It's perfect. Not a blade of grass higher than any other blade of grass. Hmm, said Vanessa. That is strange. Do you think he's okay? Should we call somebody? I shrugged. Who are we going to call? 
the police. Tell them that our retired neighbor is mowing his lawn twice while piss. While peeing himself. What will they say to that? By eight, I was done cooking the bacon, and Mr. Limsky was still at it, mowing his lawn for what must have been the fifth time. I tried not to think about it, but it was hard. After breakfast, we should go somewhere, I said. It's a beautiful day. No sense staying cooped up all day. Why does Mr. Limsky keep mowing his lawn? asked Keegan. I don't know, kiddo, I muttered. I don't know. You want to go to the playground or something? Yeah, I'm going to stay here and try to go back to sleep if that's okay, said Vanessa. Of course, I said. I felt like going back to sleep myself, even after all that coffee. But the desire to get far away from the sound of the lawnmower outweighed my tiredness. We ate, and Keegan and I headed to the playground. At nine. Zero, I got a text from Vanessa. Can't sleep. He's still mowing. 9.30. I'm really starting to get worried. This isn't normal. 10. Zero. I went over there and tried to talk to him, but it's like he's in a trance. Please come home. I sighed, but complied. I rounded up the kid and drove home. I felt a deep sense of unease that grew more intense the closer I got to home. You're afraid of an old man mowing the lawn? I chided myself. It didn't work because my instinctive answer was... Yes. I turned onto my street and prayed that Mr. Limsky would be done mowing the lawn by now. He'd tell us it was just a practical joke, and we'd all have a good laugh over it. But soon enough, I saw that wasn't going to happen. As I pulled into my driveway... Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I saw that he was still out there. I thought I saw a streak of brown running down his leg, but it was hard to tell for sure because he was going around under the shade of his ancient apple tree. I walked inside and Vanessa was at the kitchen table with bags under her eyes and a glass of wine in front of her. Please make it stop, she said. I don't know how to do that, I said, suddenly feeling very tired and in need of a drink myself. Call the police, she said. Why don't you, I asked. Fine, she said. 
It's just that I do everything else around here, so I thought maybe you could help this one time. I held my tongue. I did plenty around there, but I knew that now wasn't the time to point that out. Okay, I said. I'll call the police. How's he not run out of gas by now anyway? I've been watching him, said Vanessa. He's got a can of gas in his driveway. Sometimes he grabs it when he passes by and gasses up while still pushing the mower. It's crazy. Please call the police. All right, all right, I said. I looked up the number and proceeded to have one of the most awkward phone conversations of my life. It was ten minutes with the receptionist and then another ten minutes with an officer. Finally, they agreed to come over and check it out. Fifteen minutes later, I watched out the window as the cop car pulled into Mr. Limsky's driveway. A single cop got out and walked over to Mr. Limsky. The cop was waving his hands and shouting, but it was no good. Then the cop grabbed Mr. Limsky's shoulder and spun him around forcefully. This caused Mr. Limsky to finally let go of the throttle, and for the first time all day, the lawnmower stopped moving. It was still running, though, because he had taped its safety shut off down. I held my breath as I waited to see what would happen next. Mr. Limsky opened his mouth, and something emerged from it. It looked like a long, thin tentacle. The tentacle wrapped itself around the cop's neck and lifted him up into the air. Then a second tentacle emerged from Mr. Limsky's mouth and made it way down the cop's throat. I slammed the curtain shut and noticed that I, too, like Mr. Limsky earlier, had wet myself. What's going on out there? asked Vanessa from the kitchen. Did the police arrive? I didn't have a good answer, so I didn't say anything. Honey, said Vanessa, walking over. Are you okay? From outside, we heard the whine of a new machine join in with the lawnmower. Vanessa opened the curtain, and I turned slowly to look out. The cop was out there going around the old apple tree with a weed whacker while Mr. Limsky was back pushing the lawnmower around again. It's 5 p.m. Besides Mr. Limsky, there are now four cops in his yard doing various tasks. One is still at it with the weed whacker. Another has been going at the shrubs with a pair of clippers for hours now. But the one who concerns me the most is the one who is going around spraying the ground from a bottle full of neon blue liquid that Mr. Limsky at one point puked out of his mouth. I personally am petitioning the family to pack up the car and start driving to Florida where Vanessa's mother lives. I have no idea what is going on, but it doesn't look good. Part 2 I wasn't sure what was more bizarre and terrifying. My neighbor mowing his lawn for the 13th straight hour aided by four uniformed cops performing various other landscaping tasks. Or the woman in the gas mask and plastic poncho that emerged from the tan Toyota Camry which had wrapped itself around Mr. Limsky's apple tree. Damn it, Kelly! She shouted through the mask, clearly and steady on her feet after the crash. No more driving for you, ever. I crouched down in my driveway behind my own car which I had just finished loading in preparation for getting my family far away from whatever horrible thing was happening next door. I watched as the woman who was not impressed by Kelly's driving skills pulled a large blaster from under her poncho. That's the best way I can describe it. It wasn't a gun. It was a blaster. The woman pointed her blaster at Mr. Limsky and pulled the trigger. That was it for Mr. Limsky. He exploded in a horrible mess of neon blue gore. A still writhing tentacle flew through the air and slapped against the windshield of the Camry. I saw the wipers go on in an effort to clear the thing away. I turned and saw my wife looking out the window of our house in horrified amazement. 
She had her hand over our daughter's eyes. Keegan was prying away at Vanessa's finger in order to get a look at the excitement. Me. I'd had enough excitement for the day. I had no idea who the blaster woman was, but I knew that she had a blaster, and I struggled to come up with some way to get my family out of there without drawing anybody's notice. The woman turned her blaster to each of the four cops in turn and quickly reduced them into four gooey globs of neon blue slime. If I can just get back inside without her noticing me, we can slip out the back and uber it out of Dodge. Doesn't matter where, just somewhere far away. You, shouted the woman. Her poncho was absolutely drenched with the insides of the things she'd just blown apart. Hiding behind your car, stand up slowly, Shit. I stood up with my hands in the air. Please don't blast me, I said. I'm not one of them, I swear. We'll see about that, she said. Meanwhile, your neighbor, Mr. Limsky, he lived alone, yes? That's right, I said. His wife died last year. Poor guy. I looked over at the puddle of strange gore that used to be Mr. Limsky. Poor guy indeed? Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to go inside Mr. Limsky's house and get cleaned up. You're going to go inside your house and wait there for us. If you try anything smart, I promise you that you'll end up like your neighbor here. Not a pretty sight. You agree? I took one more look, fought back the urge to puke, and nodded my head in earnest agreement. Same goes for your family. I see them through the window. Got it? Inside? Now? I didn't need any more encouragement. I ran back inside my house. Back to Vanessa and Keegan. Who is that? asked Vanessa. What's going on? You think I know? I snapped. Then I sighed. I don't, but I think maybe she's a good guy. I mean, she blasted those things out there. What if Mr. Olimsky was the good guy? asked Keegan. What if there are no good guys? asked Vanessa. I don't know, I said. I don't know, but I think we have to take that chance. If she's a bad guy, then we're done, then it's bad, no matter what we do, I think. So I think we just have to think positively about this, and hope that she's a good guy. Think. Positively, said Vanessa. Think positively. How about we think about survival? I gritted my teeth. That's what I'm saying, dear. I think that our best chance at survival is to stay put and talk things over nicely with the lady in the gas mask. What's survival? asked Keegan. It's what we're all trying to do, kiddo, I explained on a day-to-day -day basis, and none of us will finally pull it off. What? It means trying not to die, I said. Are we going to die? Someday, kiddo. Someday a long, long time from now. I wasn't sure about that, of course, but what else could I say? Hey, you want to watch Tumbleleaf? Fig the fox? Okay, said Keegan. I got an episode going and then went into the kitchen where Vanessa was pacing around in a circle. Are you sure about this? she asked, waiting here for them to come to us. No, I said. Okay, she said. I trust you, and I love you. I love you too, I said. We waited. Twenty minutes later, I saw them approaching my house. There were two women and one man, each wearing a gas mask. The woman in front was still carrying her blaster, but she had cleaned all of the blue substance off of her and was wearing some of Mr. Limsky's clothes. I met them at the door. Did any of you come into contact with any of them? asked the woman in front. No, 
I said, it was a lie. I had come up behind Mr. Limsky and tapped him on the shoulder. Vanessa had also approached him. What is this about? Kelly, said the blaster lady to the woman behind her. Test him. This Kelly pulled a large syringe out of her backpack and took a step toward me. Now wait a minute here, I said. You're not going to stick me with that needle until you tell me why I should let you. What is going on? You can submit to the test, said Blaster Lady, or we can presume that you have the virus and terminate you. Well, then I'll submit to the damn test, I said, rolling up my sleeve and offering out my arm. Not there, said Kelly, a second before she jammed the syringe into the side of my head. F, that hurts. Kelly pulled the needle out. Then she went into her backpack again and brought out a test tube filled with a green fluid. She unscrewed the tube and shot some of my brain juice into it. Then she put the lid back on, shook it, and held it up to the light. He's clear, said Kelly. Now for his family, said Blaster Lady. I watched in helpless horror as Kelly jammed a giant needle into first my wife's head and then my daughter's head. Keegan couldn't stop crying and it made me sick to my stomach. They're all clear, said Kelly. We're clear, I said. Now, do you want to tell us just what the F is going on? Let's start with who the hell you all are. I'm Kelly Raymond, said the one with the needle. My boyfriend got turned into a zombie, like Mr. Limsky, but a little different. I had to keep cutting off his fingers. Hey, zombie, I said. You had to keep cutting off his fingers. Of course. You can call me Allie, said Blaster Lady, taking off her gas mask. The others did as well. And yes, zombies. They are real. And the virus is growing stronger and more unpredictable by the day. Okay, I said. Zombies. I looked to the man in the group. And you are... Martin Henwood, said the man. I was a former colleague of your neighbor before he retired. Ah, I said. Mr. Limsky was a coroner, I want to say. Mortician, said Martin, and he was a true artist, which is why I had to call him out of retirement for my latest job. Martin was obviously upset and fighting back tears, but he went on. A body came in for burial. The dead woman had apparently murdered her boyfriend in a particularly brutal way. There were rumors that the necklace she still wore, even after her supposed autopsy, was cursed. It was a strange case indeed, because for starters, I saw no sign that an autopsy was ever performed. I suspected that the medical examiner had gotten spooked by the rumors and had opted to rule the death a self-kill without actually cutting into the body. Then, too, as I looked her over, I saw that the necklace had no clasp. There was no way to get it off without cutting it off. I had the worst headache of my life, but I tried to stay focused. Let me guess. The necklace made her a zombie? We think that's the case, said Allie. Tell him what happened next, Martin. Martin cleared his throat. Well, I thought the whole matter was nonsense. A cursed necklace. I'm a man of science, not superstition. Or I was. When I started the embalming process, that's when I began to think twice. What came out of the body was not any kind of blood that I have ever seen in my 25 years of experience. It was... I finished up for him. Neon blue. Just so, said Martin. And that's when I called Chuck Limsky. He had never encountered anything like that before, either and in fact didn't believe me. He wanted to see for himself, so he came over and I showed him the body. Like me, he was both fascinated and baffled. He wanted to spend some time with the body, so I left to get us sandwiches. 
When I got back, Chuck was standing in the moor, dripping with blue slime, and the body was gone. What happened? I asked. It, it exploded, he said. The body just exploded? Mm. I have to go home and clean up, but I'll be right back. I've never seen anything like this. He left, and that was the last I saw of him until Martin trailed off and broke down into sobs. We caught up with Martin shortly after, said Allie. We had heard about the case of the necklace girl and thought it smelled strongly of zombie. Martin told us what had happened and brought us to Mr. Limsky's house and now here we are in your living room. What about the necklace? I asked, fighting back the thousands of thoughts fighting for control of my mind. Where did it come from? How does it turn you into a zombie? That's one of the things we're going to find out, said Allie. We have it with us and are going to run it through a variety of tests. Typically, the virus is spread in the usual ways, like somebody coughing on you or uh, exploding on you. The necklace is a new development. We are seeing a lot of new developments. We have been dealing with the basic zombie virus for some time now and containing it well. But now, now things have changed. Our ultimate goal is to find a vaccine for the new super strains. But first we need to fully understand what we're up against. I looked over to the couch across the room where Keegan was sitting on Vanessa's lap, still watching Fig the Fox. Vanessa was listening intently to our hushed talk, and I could see the terror etched into her face. I'm sure it was etched into mine as well. It's not safe for you here anymore, said Allie. The people I work with, used to work with. Yes, they are concerned about the zombies, but they are just as concerned with people finding out about the zombies. They are ruthless and will be here within a day or so. Besides, we need a new ride since Kelly wrecked our car. She's never allowed to drive again. I happen to notice that you have a nice, roomy SUV out there. That could fit us all, and it will. We'll rest up for a few hours. Then we'll torch Mr. Limsky's property. Then we hit the road. It's up to you. Come with us, or stay behind for them to find you. All right, I said. Let me talk it over with my wife. We're on the road now. Allie's driving. I'm obviously not going to say where we're going. I just wanted to let everyone know that the zombie apocalypse is coming if we don't get there in time. 